Hello, Team Builder, and thank you so much for joining us today on Ask Michelle and Chris. We're here to answer your questions about team building so we can learn and grow together. I'm your host, Michelle Cummings of Training Wheels, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Cavert of Fun Doing and On Team Building. Let's go find out what we can answer for you today. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Good, Michelle. It's uh, another Zoom day. But yeah, yeah good. This, this last week, it's cooling down here in Denver. and uh, had a little snow over the weekend. And yeah, just I'm glad I'm done with my little, uh, I would say, fall projects. Yeah. I got my car in the garage now. Excellent. That's all good. So now I can snow all at once. I, I, I'm ready for that. How are things with you? How was yeah. the week? They're going good. I'm uh, renovating my grandparents' house back in Kansas. So we're in demolition mode. So we're busting through lath and plaster and things like that. So it's it's very therapeutic, actually. So that's fun. We were back um, socially distancing, still physically distancing from my family, but yet still able to go back and knock out some good hard work. Yeah, I find it interesting that demolishing things that other people built is fine, but demolishing, having to demolish things that you built in a metaphorical sense, that's hard. Oh, harder. Yeah. Hard, yeah. Harder. Do you have emotional connection? Oh, um, yeah, that. yeah. And that leads me to a, a plug for Netflix. Netflix isn't paying us, but uh, <laughs> January 1st, they are starting their show called The Minimalists. Huh. So they go in and they help people minimize all the clutter in their lives. And the trailer was really cool. I really resonated with what they said is it's the memory is not in that picture you're holding. The memory is in you. Ooh, it's interesting because I'm having a hard time getting rid of stuff. I've been doing that the last couple of years and I'm down to the hard stuff. So Mm. hopefully that show will help me out. The minimalists. Yeah. So what are we doing today? Let's see here. We're doing part two of a question that came in a couple weeks ago from a facilitator named Matt. And the question was, can you give suggestions on getting more engagement with the group? And this was specifically around the processing and debriefing after the activity itself. And that he wanted ideas, whether either in person or virtually. So the last episode we did gave tips and tricks on how to do that in the virtual space. Today, we're going to focus on how to get better engagement with processing and debriefing in person. I could talk for hours and days about this particular subject. It's one of my favorites. And you only have 14 minutes left. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I'll try to keep it brief. Now for me, you know, the first thing that I do, if, if you have ever had this experience where you ask a question and you get this as a response, (laughs) you know, the silence, the awkward pause, the, like, whatever it is, sometimes if that happens, especially if it's early on in your program, For me, what that means, it has signaled two things. One, people are thinking. And two, I haven't warmed them up to talking yet. Usually, it's one of those two things. What I usually do then is also start out the first couple of my processing and debriefing sessions after my first couple of activities are with activities around the concept or the technique of call that I call pairing and sharing, where you pair two people up and get them sharing a response to your questions 
in a one-on-one conversation or a, either a dyad or a triad even before you go to the traditional sharing circle where you ask a question and you've got 12 people and you're just expecting someone to volunteer and answer. That right there, it can be intimidating for participants. And so I always start out with a good pairing and sharing activity first in the debriefing process. Even if I ask everybody a question, I'm like, okay, I want you to find a partner and share with them. Who do you think the leader in that activity was? And why do you think that? Share a response with your partner. And then we're going to pull back in the large group. And then I'm going to ask for a few volunteers to give us a little synopsis of what you and your partner talked about. Okay, ready, go. And that right there will open up, you know, and let people have the conversation, really think about it and and have the conversation first before they're expected to give a public verbal response. And they get to practice a little bit. Yeah. They get to practice and they may hear themselves say it. And I like that advice about I haven't given them enough time to talk. Mm-hmm. And one of my things I love to do is uh, there, there's... One of the quotes I've always held on to was the person who talks more first talks more. I relate that to getting my group to talk with each other more right in the beginning. It's not always me giving all this stuff in the beginning. Get them, get them into icebreakers or name games or things that will allow them and give them opportunities to share their voice and start hearing their voice and start hearing their thoughts. We don't get I don't think we get enough time to practice. I love that. We haven't haven't warmed them up yet in talking. And then letting them know in our last episode you had a, some great advice about letting them know the expectations. Hey, part of this program, part of this process is to hear from as many people as possible. Here's why I think that's important giving them that front loading or that expectation that you hope you'll feel comfortable enough to share and share your experience because there's a value in that for other people. And you kind of give them the why it's important and, and not force them. Challenge by choice. Remember we talked about last week as well, honor challenge by choice and give them the opportunity to pass and say, you know, if you don't want to share anything when it's your turn, just say pass. And that's okay. To me, that's still engagement. They're still willing to at least let you know where they're at. And that's important. It's not about they're not talking because they don't like you. It's their own thing. We can't assume too much. We just have to give them the opportunity to share as much as possible. But yeah, I love the practice part. We got to get them warmed up to it. Also, we've all been in those groups where you have the same people that are the ones answering the questions all the time. So what I like about the pairing and sharing technique is that then when you bring it back to the large group shared experience and you ask for a couple of responses, I could pick someone rather than like, all right, who wants to share? And it's the same person over and over again. Now what I can do is say, okay, great. Now let's hear, we haven't heard from you yet. And do you mind sharing either a response that you gave or the response that your partner gave? That also gives them options on what they share. And it's not necessarily like, oh, well, my partner had this great idea or this great response and said this. So it's almost being a spokesperson for that other person. And yet at the same time, that's still engaging because then they they were an engaged listener. And now they're talking. So it, it definitely, if they know there's the opportunity or the chance that they might be called on, they'll also lean in and engage at a different level. Nice. 
and giving them that opportunity to pass as well, even when you call on them, but at least they know you're going to call on them and they know they have an out. Uh, I don't feel comfortable sharing right now. That's okay. Uh, and then you go on to somebody else. You don't make a big deal out of it, but you are at least letting them know it's going to happen. But I love that. You know, what did your partner say? It's the, like the interview name mm-hmm. game where you introduce your partner. It's right. not, you're not talking about yourself. It's so much easier to talk about something else. That's a mm-hmm. great, that's a great way to do a processing question. What did yeah. your partner say about this processing question? And yeah. is it okay for your partner for you to share what they said? You know, and that so you, you're creating this um, norm that your group will have that you could have someone speak for you because it might be easier for you for them to speak for you. So, so why not? We could try that. And that, that, that's a good technique to get that engagement. That's, that's pretty neat. That's neat. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple of tools that I use often to disseminate or disperse the talking. And one of them is a talking rope. Give them a little five-foot cord and I have them tie three overhand knots in it. And then they carry that around with them. During our discussions and processing, if you want to talk, you have to use a knot. And every knot is worth a minute. So we'll get together. Okay, we're ready to talk about this. Who has an opinion on this? Who would like to share? Now they have to think about how they would condense it, giving up a knot, then they can talk for a minute. And if their knots are gone, then other people that have knots are allowed to speak. So the, if someone's talking a lot, they can use up their knots pretty fast. Now the other ones who've kind of been saving their knots, you know, waiting for the others to get... Now that's their opportunity to talk. That's one of the tools I really like. Another one is the second kind of a talking circle where I put a big rope on the on the ground in a circle formation. We stand outside of it. If you want to say something, just step inside the circle and then wait your turn. When you're done talking, you step outside of the circle. So we visually know who's ready to share versus always who wants to share, who wants to share, who wants to share. You know, you want to share you. Let them choose with their feet, then they can talk back up. Uh, We're listening when we're standing outside the circle. We're talking when we're standing inside the circle. And you allow that to organically just go until you can do anybody have anything else to share. Going once, going twice. So there are tools you could do to engage them that they're used to and they know they'll have time to think because other people are stepping in. Now they can hone down what they want to say and, and get it to where they want it to go. And then, and then when they're ready that they step in, there's no pressure on them if they don't want that. Another technique, you know, that I call action and reflection and just making sure that they're up and active, even in the debrief. Cause sometimes when we sit for too long, then our brain tends to shut down a little bit and it's not as engaging. The actual process of answering questions is not very engaging. So if you add some action in with the reflection, then that can engage them at an even different level. So another movement activity I like to do is I call shuffle left, shuffle right. It is written up in the Teachable Moment book that Jim Keen, Jennifer Sanchfield, and I wrote together. And that one is as simple as, you know, I like to put some sort of metaphoric processing tool in the center of the circle. I personally love to use the body part debrief. That is my all-time fave. I put the body parts out in the center and front load each part, give them an example of a type of answer that they could give. And then during the shuffle left, shuffle right activity, if they choose to say stop and share a response with the group, they have an idea. There's some boundaries around or some examples around how they share. And then you tell the group in a minute, I'm going to say shuffle to the right. 
and everyone is literally just going to start, you know, shuffle stepping to the right. And then if you want to share a response with the group, you just say stop. The whole group will stop in place and you get your 30 to 60 seconds to share. And then when you're finished, you give the group a direction to go either shuffle to the left or shuffle to the right. And then the whole group will follow your lead. That can be another great way to add a little energy to your processing circle and you're still answering questions. Or you could even, if you didn't use the body parts, you could just ask the question, who is the leader in that activity and why? Shuffle right. And then they shuffle and then someone says, stop. And then they give their answer and you're like, okay, great. Now let's, and then you answer your, ask your next question. So there's ways to make it engaging, physically engaging, as well as mentally engaging. It's about how you define engagement. Mm-hmm. It, being physically engaged, that's that's a way of engaging. The, the one I have that's physical is, uh, are you more like, and you can use them when debriefing questions, you just uh, align down the center right in front of you, kind of perpendicular to you. And then you say, stand over to the left if you thought our communication was an A+. Stand over to the right if you thought our communication was a B minus or less, or B or less. So they physically vote with their bodies, and then you could ask for volunteers. Hey, you thought it was an A. What was good about it? You thought it wasn't an A. What could have been better? Then you asked for people to share. But their engagement becomes physical in nature. They don't have to speak. Depending on our expectations and how we define engagement, you can increase that by having them move around, adding the props, adding the fun visuals. Now we're pulling in different learning styles and preferences is another way to engage Can we have them write out their answer? Can we have them use a marker and check off their favorite response that's on a flip chart paper? Can we put out uh, liner quote cards or you have all sorts of quote cards or what's relevant to you? Pick those out and and say the quote. And this is what you think is good. Chigi cards, climber cards, any kind of image cards that will help them verbalize their thinking around a discussion. This will increase the engagement. If you're expecting to just them answer a question, you you may get those who are good auditory listeners and their preference to learning is auditory. They'll be able to decode what you're asking a little bit better than others who may need a different form of engagement, right? Or a a different bridge, I guess, to uh, understanding the question and then offering a response. Well, those are several ideas, probably some of our top ones that we use when engaging people into the debriefing process. So we hope you picked up a couple tips from this that might be new from some of our previous episodes that we've talked a little bit about this. If you have other ideas we didn't share today that other facilitators would love to hear, please submit them in the comments section on the show notes page. Thanks so much for listening. If you have additional answers or comments about this question, please send them our way. And if you have a question you'd like us to tackle, we would love to hear it. You can find the submission link and anything we discussed in today's episode in the show notes. Find the show notes and past episodes at onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. That's onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. You can find me and sign up for my newsletter at training-wheels.com. You can sign up for my Fun Doing Fridays activity email and find me at onteambuilding.com. We hope you join us next week for Ask Michelle and Chris about team building.